the man that's going to be speaking and preaching out of the Word of God today, he didn't probably realize it, but I've known who he was ever since I was 15 years old. Whenever I went to church with a friend of mine at Floor Assembly, um, Gary Grogan was the Illinois State Youth Rep for the Assemblies of God, and he's pastored in uh, Stone Creek Church in Champaign for many, many years, and he is the busiest, unretired, retired pastor that I know, and I got to spend a little bit of time with him this last weekend, and I'm looking forward to what the message that he's bringing forth today. So if you would give him a very warm welcome. Thank you, Pastor George. We appreciate it. The only Korean I know that has a Southern Illinois accent. Absolutely awesome. I really sense the Lord's love for this church this morning. Honestly, I do. Um, I got teary-eyed as we were singing that last chorus. And I just want to remind you how much Jesus loves you. No pastor shed his blood for this church to cover your sin and take away your sin. Jesus did that for you. As great and as awful as us pastors are, don't say amen in the back, Dave, wherever that Dave guy is. Dave gave me 12 minutes to preach. But I love him with the love of the Lord. <laughs> I really do sense the Lord's love for your church. I really do. Your reputation precedes you. I have listened to some of the sermon tapes over the years from this church. How can you have a facility this big and a crowd this big in a town of 50? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And I love rural communities. I was raised in one. I'm here at the invitation of... Uh, Pastor George and Bo Bear, who's now the chairman of your deacons council, your board, whatever you call it. Bo is from Pittsfield. That's where I'm from, Pittsfield, Illinois, the deer hunting capital of the Midwest, for those of you that are deer hunters. I would like to get to know some of you coyote hunters, by the way. I've acquired a new skill in my life, so I'd like to fine-tune that skill down here a little bit. So I just love what God is doing in your midst, and you're looking for a pastor. It's not an easy time in a church. Uh, some people stop attending. Some people have the wait-and-see attitude. Perhaps they're not as faithful in their tithing as they should be or their missions giving. And so that would be a time for those of you who are faithful, who are committed, this is your home, and you're not going anywhere, to perhaps increase your tithing and your missions giving for a little bit. I want you to know that your pastoral search committee, I believe you call it your transition committee, is really on course. They are following a manual. There is an objective approach to finding God's right person, but also there's a bit of subjectivity. We want to be sensitive to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to short-circuit the process. We want to do both 
so that God brings the person that loves you, loves the surrounding communities, and, take, and can take you to the next level in the history of your church. And so, you know, maybe things aren't exactly the way they used to be, but it's the Lord's church. It's not your church. It's not my church. It's the Lord's church. He died for this place, for you and for me. We are the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So I feel like I'm among friends, even though Dave gave me the raspberries. Dave, I'm up here now, man. I got you, dude. I mean, I just flat out got you. I want to give a shout out to uh, the best insurance agent that our church and that I've ever had, and that's uh, Suzanne Steele, and I finally got to meet her husband this morning, and she has just served our church, Stone Creek Church, so well over the years and given us great deals, and uh, thank you for paying me to say this. If you need an insurance, insurance agent, talk to Suzanne. No, she didn't, but thank you, Suzanne. You really care, and you're personable, and I appreciate that. And uh, just an honor to meet the former Urbana police chief, uh, Mike Billy, there in the back. And people say, why is he sitting in the back? Because once a policeman, always the policeman. He's watching those doors, everybody that comes in. And nobody better come in to hurt anybody. My brother was a policeman for 31 years. And just the domestics and the alcohol and the drugs that has hit our small communities and of course, Urbana is a totally different community, Chief, and he really likes it down here, really likes it. And I'm not going to make anybody stand, but I just want to honor all of those who protect us as a policeman. Uh, you're like a pastor in a church. You keep our community safe. That's part of a pastor's job. Pastors are feeders and nourishers and, if necessary, protectors. And uh, certainly, policemen and women protect us. Uh, if us preachers were doing a better job, we could put the policemen out of business, you know. If everybody had come to Jesus and served Jesus, uh, but probably it's not going to happen. And if you serve with the fire department, whether you're employed or volunteered or you are serving in the military or you have served in the military, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you. My brother, older brother, served in Vietnam for 15 years, got messed up, but he came to Jesus, and Jesus set him free. And now he's a big old 300-pound redneck, and I just love him with all of my heart. So, Pastor George, thank you for your hospitality. Really appreciate it. And uh, good on you. That's the way they say it uh, in Australia. I've been there five, six, seven, eight times. They say, good on you. So turn to your neighbor and say, good on you. Will you do that? <clears throat> I want to talk to you about loving the Lord's body, loving the church. This is a rhetorical question. Please do not answer me. Do you love the church? Do you love the Lord's body? I know you love his head. I know you love Jesus. I sense his presence here among us, especially as we worshiped, but do you love the church? That is his body. We are the body of Christ. 
I think sometimes our Catholic brothers and sisters have a better revelation of the body of Christ than many Protestant churches do. People in our culture say you don't have to go to church, and yet I've been in China where just for doing what you're doing today, they lose jobs, they're persecuted, on and on and on it goes. Yes, we say if you were the only sinner in the world, Jesus would have died for you, and that may be true, but his vision was so much bigger than you and me. His vision was for a kingdom of priests. His vision was for his body to touch this entire world. Do you love the church? I love the church. I mean, I've been in the ministry 45 years, but I still love my home church in little old Pittsfield, Illinois. My brothers have served as deacons there, as my older brother is a lay preacher, as treasurer, as men's ministry coordinator. People in Sunday school taught me the Bible stories. Grandma Jennings, she wasn't my grandma, but everybody called her Grandma Jennings. Do you have people like that in this church? She taught children's church. She prayed with us. I love God's people. I love the church. I have preached this gospel in 53, soon to be 54 countries of the world. And I love the church of Jesus Christ. I love what God is doing through his people. Let's be the kind of people that God can flow through, he can work through, he can use us to bless our communities, bless our schools, and how many of you know our schools need the blessing of the Lord? We need the fear of the Lord back into our culture. We need the fear of the Lord back into our schools. If governmental officials will just include God, even if they won't serve him, if they'll stop running him out of the public market and the public place and the school system, there will be an element of protection that God will give us. I love the church. I love God's people. We're going to look at Matthew 27 if you want to turn there. And I was simply reading this in my devotions one day, and the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation of the body of Christ and what your service and my service does to bless our Lord and to bless his body. I had a man come to me one time a few years ago, and he said, oh, I'm not going to be a part of the organized religion anymore. And, you know, I was trying to lighten the conversation, you know. You don't want to get in an argument with people right away. And he goes, well, I'm not going to be a part of organized religion anymore. And I said, okay, let's just be disorganized. Well, he didn't respond too good to that. He still had a frown on his face. So my Dale Carnegie skills weren't working yet. And, uh, and then he went into this thing of how he is convinced that the modern day church, the 21st century church, has what he called atrophy. And what he meant by that was the body is not doing what the head is telling it to do. And he went on to say that we're nothing like the first century church and we should be like the first century church. And well, I agree, we should apply first century principles. But I said to him, let's go back to the first century then where even living to age 40 was a big, huge accomplishment. 
Let's go back to the first century where they did not have heat. They did not have air conditioning. They did not have Kerrig coffee makers. They did not have Starbucks. Uh, they did not have transportation. Like They did not have road. They, let, let's just go back to the first century. He didn't like that. The truth is, Jesus does not want a first century church. He wants a 21st century church that reaches the people within the culture where that church is applying first century principles. I looked up the word atrophy after that conversation and not only could he not get his theology right, but he could not even get his medical terms right. Because atrophy is a wasting away disease of the body from not using the body, just sitting around all the time and the, the muscles don't work the way they should work. He couldn't even get any of that right. I love the church. I love God's people. Matthew chapter 27 uh, do you stand here when you read the Word of God? If, you, if you're tired and you don't want to stand, don't stand. But let's just stand to honor God's Word. Do something different. That's the trouble when you have guest speakers. You always do something different. But it's okay. You'll live through it, Dave. Dave, you'll live through it. I'm not letting you off the hook, brother. <laughs> Matthew 27. We'll read verses 57 uh, through 60. We'll read through 61. I'm reading from the New King James, Matthew 27. Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. Are you a disciple of Jesus? This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. I always like to say, may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word and give us understanding. Amen? Amen? You may be seated and you don't have to say good day. In our text here at great personal expense, Joseph of Arimathea took care of the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you look at the text, if you think about it, it cost him money, it cost him time, and it cost him his personal reputation among the Jewish leaders. Obviously, this Joseph loved the Lord, and that included the Lord's body. This passage of Scripture, I believe, is a picture. It is a beautiful canvas picture of those who are devoted, those who are committed, those who love the church. They love the Lord's body. They love God's people. 
in spite of all their warts, in spite of all their shortcomings, in, in spite of all the problems that we have in the church world, this is a picture of people who are committed to the body of Christ, who love the body of Christ, who care for the body of Christ, who want to see the body of Christ released into its culture and into its world to make a difference. Here's a great outline from this passage about loving the Lord's body, the church. First of all, it says in the first part of verse 59 that Joseph removed the body of Christ from being stuck on the cross. And when Joseph had taken the body, the body of Jesus was nailed to the cross. He was suspended between heaven and earth. He died. He shed his blood for you and me. His body was held up, suspended there. He suffered. The only way to come to God is through Christ. The reason Christ died for you and died for me is so that we can be forgiven of our sins and our sins can be taken away and we can be given a new lease on life and we can begin to, give, we can begin to live life with meaning and purpose. I love Jesus Christ, don't you? I want to serve him with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my life. This is what Christian service does in a local church. Every one of us doing our part, it removes the local church, the Lord's body, from being stuck. How many of you know it's possible to get stuck? Wow, driving down here, I was in... Pawnee, Illinois, with Pastor George Friday night, and then I had ministry Saturday in Springfield, and getting from 55 over to 57, going two-lane roads, 127 and all that, Woo! every creek, every stream was swollen. If you'd pulled off the road just a little bit, you'd gotten stuck. There's one place I coyote hunt, and the guy's a good Nazarene brother, and he always goes, preachers are the dumbest people I know. Every time I let a preacher hunt here, they get stuck. I said, I'm not going to get stuck, brother. It's not going to happen. But we can get stuck in life. We can get stuck. We can get in such a rut that we don't think in new ways. We don't think with new paradigms. We want the church to grow, but we're not willing to change so that the church can grow. When we serve, we are removing the local church from being stuck. We unselfishly give, we unselfishly serve so the Lord's body can be released in our communities and in the world for what God sent it to do. And that is to redeem fallen mankind. Most people aren't just going to say, well, I think I'll get to know God today, and then eventually I'll be saved. Most people get to know one of the members of the body of Christ first, and they watch our lives, and they want what we have, and then they come to Christ. Here's what Ephesians 4.16 says in the New Living Translation. He that is Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
that one phrase in the New King James says, every part does its share. In the New Living, it says, as each part does its own special work. New King James, every part does its share. The English Standard Version says, when each part is working properly. It's beautiful to be a part of an organization that is working properly. Perhaps you work somewhere and it's just every day you dread going to work because it's just not functioning the way you think it should, the way you know it could. Relationships are frayed or broken. The product you're producing is not as good as it could be. The marketing is not as good as it could be. It's wonderful to be a part of a church that is functioning properly. It is so refreshing. When we refuse to serve, we're leaving the body of Christ stuck. It takes workers. It takes resources to carry out God's plan for our communities. And when we refuse to attend a local church, when we refuse to serve, when we refuse to give, what we're really proving, and this may be a bit harsh, but what we're proving by our actions is we really do not love the Lord's body. Oh, we say, I love the Lord. But our actions prove that we do not love his body. I love the local church. It's the hope of the world. I was at a conference one time, it was a great big conference several years ago, and the keynote speaker was saying some things about the local church. I actually went with some Methodist pastor friends of mine, and they made me a Methodist for three days. It was great. Uh, My grandmother was a Methodist, and so grandma was happy, I'm sure. She's in heaven now. And and this, this keynote speaker began to say some things about the local church. And as he was saying those things, the Holy Spirit came upon me and tears just began to go down my cheeks because I love the local church so much. I bought the CD. I had one of our secretaries transcribe it and he said things like this. There's nothing like the local church when it's working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. It comforts the grieving. It heals the broken in the context of community. It builds bridges to the lost. It offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in needs. It opens its arms to the forgotten, the downtrodden, and the disillusioned. It breaks the chains of addiction, it frees the oppressed, and offers belonging to the marginalized. Whatever the capacity for human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and wholeness. I believe this with all of my heart. Let's be like Joseph of Arimathea, and let us make sure this church does not get stuck. I do not want to be a part of an organization that gets stuck. Let's be faithful in our attendance, faithful in our service, faithful in our giving. The church is not and will not ever be like any other organization on the planet. This is the most important meeting of the week of any organization in this however many county area. The body of Christ gathered together. Hallelujah. Second part of verse 59, Joseph of Arimathea 
took the body of Christ to a place it had never been. It says he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. Some people just do not understand what their service, what their giving, what their attendance, what their volunteerism does in a local church. It brings the Lord glory. Jesus said in his real Lord's prayer in John 17, verse 4, I've glorified you, glorified the Father on the earth. I've finished the work which you have given me to do. God has a specific work for every local church to do. We are not in competition with other local churches. Any church that preaches the gospel, any church that preaches coming to Christ, whether we agree with all of their methodology or not, we want those churches to be full. And those who do not preach the gospel, we want them to have revival so that they start preaching the gospel or they close their doors. We are not in competition with other churches. We just simply want to do ministry for the Lord in the right way so that his body here can be taken to a place it has never been. Unless you do service for the Lord, unless you're faithful to the Lord, God is not glorified in our lives and in our communities. When we do ministry in the right way, it helps the church to become a redemptive center. I don't want to come to church and feel bad. And Dave, I'll be honest with you, I don't want to come to church and stay all day either. I'm right there with you, bro. I want to sing. I want to experience the Lord's presence. I want the preacher to be prepared and have something good to say. And if I need prayer, I want the opportunity to receive prayer. I want to experience his collective presence together with his people. I want us to be a redemptive center where we lift people up. We don't put people down, but we lift people up. Now listen, for 30 years I've ministered in Urbana, Illinois. Chief, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You talk about differences. There's no two dogs that are the same in that town. I don't talk about politics. I don't talk about that kind of stuff. We preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and give people an opportunity from all walks of life and every spot and every color and every ideology to hear that Jesus can change their lives. And he does. I could tell you all kind of stories. Had this guy named Chris coming to the church. He was known to be a cross-dresser. He came to Christ. He even got baptized. He got in one of our discipleship classes. One day after one of the services, I passed by one of the doors. I looked out, out the sidewalk on the south door, and here comes Chris walking up dressed as a woman. He comes in the door. I said, hey, Chris, come on in. You look pretty good. Nice legs, by the way. He goes, oh, thank you, Pastor. I said, hey, Chris, let's step into this room right now. So we stepped in the room. I said, wow, Chris, you really do. You're a good-looking woman, man. You really look good here, dude. I said, uh, he goes, well, today, pastor, I'm Christine. I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, and the Lord gave me a word of wisdom. I said, Chris, let me ask you, when you go to work, do you have to go as Chris or Christine? Well, I have to go as Chris. I said, Chris, look, 
I'm responsible to the Word of God. I'm responsible to people from many different backgrounds. And you know I love you. Oh, I know you love me, Pastor. I know you love me. I need you to go home and change and come back as Chris. So he fell in my arms. He's crying and all that. He goes, oh, I know the devil made me do it. (laughs) And I prayed with him, and he went back home, and he came. Listen, we have every spot and every color and every make and every kind at the University of Illinois in Urbana, Illinois. But I'm telling you the gospel of Jesus Christ when a church proclaims that Jesus saves and can transform a life, when a church does what it's supposed to do, when a church is a redemptive center and it lifts people up instead of putting people down, that makes all the difference in the world in a community. What is a redemptive sinner? God wants this church to have dynamic teaching, inspiring worship. He wants it to be a place of true Christian family and community. He wants you to be involved in effective evangelism and discipleship. He wants this to be a place of joyful service. Oh, I got to go to church and be a door greeter today. I got to go to church and be an usher today. I got to work in the sound system today. No, no, no. We want this to be the most joyous thing we do every week. Dr. Todd Kiskadden and his wife, Nancy, she was the head nurse recruiter for Carl Hospital there in Urbana, one of the top 20 profit hospitals in the country. He was in charge of the level five trauma sitter emergency room. Unfortunately, they moved to back to Connecticut. Man, they had a good tithe. Hallelujah. Well, they were good tithers. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Um, they volunteered in our preschool. I mean, these were leaders of leaders. He could have been an elder. They were leaders of leaders. And in between the services, now I don't pastor the church anymore. I passed it off to a young man that I raised up for 14 and a half years. And I I like to go and thank the workers. Hey, thank you for your service today. Thank you for volunteering. Thank you for teaching our children the love of Jesus, teaching them the Bible stories. And I'm walking down the hallway, and I heard that they had been volunteering in the preschool. And I'm standing so I can see into the room, and the lesson that day was Joshua and the walls of Jericho falling flat, And they'd built this wall out of plastic blocks. And here Dr. Todd Kiskadden and his wife Nancy, graduates of Princeton Medical School, they're walking around with five or six or seven or eight or ten little preschool kids, and they're blowing kazoos. Do you know what a kazoo is? And then they all shouted, and he kicked over the walls. And I'm standing outside, and I'm like, a man of that stature down there in a little insignificant classroom where most of the church doesn't even know where it is. So after they kind of finished their lesson, I peeked in and said hi to all the kids. And I said, Dr. Todd, could I talk to you a little bit? I said, Dr. Todd, I've asked you to fill out an elder application before. I've sought your counsel and advice on different things in the church. We've traveled together. We've fellowshiped together. Scottish guy, he would do weddings, play the bagpipes, wear this kilt and everything. More courage than me, let me tell you. I don't know how you women wear skirts. Oh my. I just don't feel clothed. Um, (laughs) I'm glad you're awake. I'm glad you're awake, including Dave. I'm glad, I'm glad. 
Um, he goes, Pastor, put his arms on my shoulders. He, he goes, Pastor, the reason I do this is because it keeps my, my salvation experience real. That's what your service in the local church does. You're not just serving some preacher. You're not just serving a board of directors. You're not just serving an organization. You are serving our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are serving His body. Nothing like the local church when it's working right. Verse 60. Joseph removed the body from being stuck. He took it to a place it had never been and he positioned the body of Jesus for resurrection. It says he laid it in his new tomb which he had hewn out of the rock and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. It was costly for Joseph to do it but thank God he did it. If you love the local church, if you're serving and working, if you're giving faithfully, do you know what you were doing? This is so great. You are preparing. You are among those who are preparing the Lord's body. You're preparing the Lord's body to be resurrected. Because of you, the church can go to new places of effectiveness, new places of ministry. There's nothing more fun than being a part of a growing, healthy, local church. We're not bound by program. We're not bound by institution. It's a place where followers of Jesus love each other. We're real. We accept each other. We help one another regardless of our faults. We cry together. We laugh together. We believe in each other. We encourage each other. I believe with all my heart the answer to the needs in our communities is found in a healthy, growing, loving, discipleship-making local church. That's the call of God on this church, that you would produce fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, disciples, not just followers. I'm going to ask the musicians to come back. and Guys in the sound booth, I'm not going to do the last part of the sermon there, the last few points, because I don't want Dave to get mad at me. And... I love the local church. I love God's people. There's a couple pictures in the Old Testament of the local church that I'd like for you to get into your mind and into your heart and your spirit. One is Noah and his family in the ark during the worldwide flood. I'm telling you, there is a flood of filth that has come to our world and particularly to Western culture. And my advice to you is get in the ark or you're going to be swept away. You're going to be swept away if you're not in the ark, if you're not safely in the church. The pull of the filth of the world, it is so strong, it is so massive. The stuff that you can bring into your kitchen, your living room, your bedroom on a computer or on a phone, it is so destructive. It tears marriages apart, tears families apart. The lack of respect in our culture for authority. Get in the ark! The church 
is not man's idea. Jesus died for the church. We are the body of Christ. Get that imagery in your mind. If you don't get in the ark, if you don't get in the church, you're going to be swept away. You're going to be lonely at home. When your spouse dies, you're going to die all alone. You're not going to have any friends that you can count on, that you can go on activities with. You're going to be a young person who's just going to follow the crowd. The death angel is passing through our culture. Do you understand that? Another image I'd like for you to get into your mind, into your heart, into your spirit is when the Egyptians were in, when the Israelites, the Hebrews were enslaved there in Egypt. They were in the land of Goshen. And Moses went before the Pharaoh. Each time he said, I'll let you go. And he didn't do it. And each time God had to send a plague, nine different plagues. And then finally Moses said, you have to let the Lord's people go so that we can go out and worship him in the desert. And if you don't, the firstborn among all cattle, among all living things, including your children, will die. And the night came when the death angel came through Egypt, including the land of Goshen. And only those homes that had been marked by an innocent lamb that had been slain and taken that blood with hyssop branch and marked across on the doorposts and on the lintel of that home. Only those homes were safe from the death angel. The death angel is passing through our culture. The time is short. The immorality, the lack of integrity. Oh yeah, I'll help you, I'll help you, I'll help you. And they never show up. Oh, yeah, 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 I want to be your friend. Let's get together. And they never return your phone call, your text, or your email. Our culture is decaying. And my advice to you is, make sure that your life is marked with the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb. Make sure you're in Jesus Christ. You love Him, you serve Him, you obey Him, you follow Him. You surrender your life to Him. You ask Christ to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. Hallelujah. I owe my life to a local church. When I graduated from high school, With some of my family members, I drove all the way from West Central Illinois to San Diego, California to see my older brother off for Vietnam. I drove all the way. When I got there, I had stomach aches. I just thought it was bowel problems. I just thought I needed to go to the bathroom. My family wanted to go out and eat. I said, you guys go ahead. I'm just going to stay back here in the apartment. And while they were gone, my appendix burst. They were gone for about five hours. I passed out. I could not get to the telephone. Even to this day, even with a blood test, it's hard to tell when your appendix burst. It's easier now than it was then. They came back. They found me unconscious. They took me to a little naval hospital, 53-bed hospital. 
The chief surgeon was gone. They had all these interns. They doped me up on morphine. Now I gave my life to Jesus as a child. I don't even remember when I gave my life to Jesus, but now I got a testimony. I got delivered from drugs because it was nice. You know, I would pass in and out and I'd say, hey, can you give me some more of that stuff? And I remember one intern saying, I thought you'd be the addictive type. Whoa, I saw things and heard, oh, it was awesome. The surgeon came back. All I remember when I woke up was him cussing those interns out. He said, you're going to let this boy die? I was 17 years of age. And they cut me open, took everything out, an eight-hour surgery, cleaned me millimeter by millimeter. The peritonitis had set in. It had already begun some of its work of decaying the organs. I was on medicine for over a year. No exaggeration. I went from 165 pounds to 85 pounds. After that surgery, I had a bit of relapse. They said they were going to do another surgery. I just emotionally fell apart. Some of you know what I'm talking about. My home church, a little church of 150 people, they found out one of their boys was laying, my brother had left for Vietnam. My family stayed as long as they could. They had to come back to Illinois. The doctor called them back and said, you bring it, you better bring everybody back. He's not going to make it. He's going to die. My home church, people like you, farmers, professionals, factory workers. We used to have a shoe factory, a hat factory, a glove factory. Now all those are gone. People who worked hard all week long came to my home church for 24 hours and prayed that God would spare my life. And here I am in Orchardville, Illinois. Not the end of everywhere, but the beginning of everywhere. Somehow you say it like that. I like that. I like that. I love that positive mindset. People who had worked 12-hour days, who had worked out in the heat and worked with cattle and pigs and in factories and got glue on their hands and stained from staining the leather in the shoe factory, they would come and pray for a half hour, an hour at a time, all day and all night. I owe my life to a local church. Don't you turn your back on this church. Don't you get all disgruntled and negative and walk away. Humble yourself and say to one of the leaders, my attitude hasn't been great and I just need you to lay hands on me and pray for me that I would have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, Philippians 2.5. Don't stop paying your tithes until you see if things are going to work out or if you've made some kind of a pledge. Don't just sit back and wait. Love the body of Christ. Not just his head. You can't separate a head from a body and expect either to live. And people do it all the time theologically. My friend who came to me and said, the modern day church has atrophy. That's what he was doing. He was trying to tell me that he could serve Christ without serving his body. And biblically, it's impossible. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good, but I'm preaching good right there. 
Hallelujah. Can we just thank the Lord for His church? Can we thank the Lord for His body? Could you just lift your hands, close your eyes and say, Lord, I thank you for the church. I thank you for your body. I thank you for people who reached out to me long time ago. I wouldn't be saved today if it wasn't for the church, if it wasn't for somebody. I thank you, Lord, that people prayed for me when I was addicted, when I was mean, when I was running. The church reached out to me. Thank you for the church that teaches our children, that helps us teach our children the Bible stories, the truths of the Word of God, that leads our children to Jesus. Thank you for the church. Come on, church, would you thank the Lord? Thank the Lord for his body. Thank the Lord, help us to get your body from a place of being stuck. Help us to take your body to a place that it's never been before. Help us to prepare your body for resurrection, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. The real reason I'm here today is to meet with your transition team and another group of leaders. There's going to be about 35 of us talking about this whole process of trying to find the one that God has for you. And let me just take the pressure off of you. I believe that God is preparing someone or already has prepared someone. Not that I know who they are not that you know who they are but I believe the Lord loves this church and he has the right under shepherd for this church and it's just a matter of time and would you be patient would you not circumvent the process they have a process that they're following they have a process that they're following would you not be so over spiritual as to say well that's not the one it might be or would you not be so over-spiritual to say, well, that is the one, for sure, I know it. It might not be. Huh? I mean, when a pastor stands up here and preaches, you see what's on the outside, but God sees what's in their heart. And you want a pastor that has a right heart, a feeder, a nourisher, if need be a protector, that's what you want. It doesn't matter if they're tall or short or wide or thin or it doesn't matter that much what matters is is their heart you want somebody that can break the word of God to you but can also walk you through the ups and downs of life and under shepherd most people don't understand pastors we're good and we're bad and we're everything in between just like you the trouble is, when we make a mistake, everybody notices it. When you make a mistake, you just throw it in the trash can. Now, I know some of you have the kind of jobs that everybody notices it, but could you be patient with the process? I know you've done this before, and uh, I don't know what time you're normally done, but probably I preach too long, and I'll hear about it afterwards, but just for a few minutes, for a few minutes, those people that I'm meeting with this afternoon, I know you did this Wednesday night, but would you come down here and stand, the transition team and um, the deacons and the staff, and, and I even think a couple ladies who are on the decorating team are a part of this. So you know who you are. You're supposed to be in this meeting afterwards. And, and just come all the way up towards the front, and you feel the pressure. You feel the pressure. 
And that's okay. Bo, you feel the pressure. You're the chairman, dude. You better feel the pressure, dude. If you don't feel the pressure, we're firing you, man. You better feel the pressure. Now, I'm going to ask some of the other church to come and stand behind these people. Maybe you've been in the church a long time, long time, or you're brand new. Just come, just step up towards the front as close as you can. And we just want to lift up your hands. We want to encourage you. We want to hold you up. You see, there's an objectivity to this process. But also, we want to be led by the Holy Spirit, and that's a bit subjective. But we do not want to circumvent the process by sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. The Scripture says it this way, it seems good to us and the Holy Ghost. And that's what we want. Now, if the pastor who comes doesn't get a 100% vote, no big deal. There's always certain people that feel like it's their God-ordained thing to vote no and vote against. And that's okay. We still love them most of the time. The Lord does all the time. But I believe God has somebody. Do you believe that? Let's just sing a real short chorus. I don't know if there's anybody to do that. Can you lead in a chorus there? Can you do that? Just lead in a chorus real quick. Just a real short one. And then we're going to pray. Let's get a sense of God's presence here before we pray. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Could we just first of all pray for Orchardville Community Church? Would you be willing to lift your head, lift your hands, and would you be willing to pray out loud? Lord, we just pray for this local church, Lord. We pray for Orchardville Community Church. We thank you, Lord, for times of victory. We thank you, Lord, for times that you've just moved by your spirit in powerful ways here. We thank you for the ministry that is extended way beyond this community and surrounding communities and literally has reached around the world. We pray for your body right here. Lord, we just pray that we would be in right relationship with each other. We pray that we would 
bite our lips and bite our tongues when we're supposed to. We pray, Lord, that we would not get into that gossip and slander stage. We pray that we would continue to serve, continue to give, continue to volunteer, continue to show up at our post. We pray for the church to be healthy, Lord. Help us to move this body, Lord, from being stuck. Help us to move this body, Lord, to a place it's never been before. Help us to prepare this body for resurrection, for what you want to do in the future. And now, Lord, just extend your hand this way. We pray, Lord, for this group of people, Lord. We we pray, Lord, for the search committee, the transition team. We pray for the deacons, the deaconesses. We pray for the staff. We pray for every single person that has this leadership role, Lord. It's not always what we would want, but it's an assignment you have given us. Help our spirits to be right. Help our attitudes to be right. Help our disposition to be right, Lord. Lord, we choose to believe that you're already preparing the right family. You're already preparing the right person to lead us here in this local church, Lord. We pray, Lord that you would help them to make the tough decisions of moving here, moving with their family here, their children changing school, whatever station of life they are in, Lord. We just pray right now that you would work on that end. You would work on this end and you would give this church the under shepherd that you have chosen for them, that our best days would be yet ahead. We choose to believe that, Lord. We choose to believe that the primary way you work in the world today is through the local church. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the leaders of this church. Lord, we don't want to burn out. We don't want to do that. We understand busy schedules. Lord, we want to finish strong, Jesus. That's what we want to do. We want to finish with resurrection power. And so, Lord, help our conversations to be right. Help our attitudes to be right while the church is in this wonderful atmosphere of prayer, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Our worship leader earlier talked about the ABCs of salvation. You have to admit that you're a sinner. You have to believe that Jesus died for your sins. And you must confess Him as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps you're visiting today. You're here with family or some friend invited you from school or whatever it might be, but heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And you'd say, that's what I need to do. I do believe in the Lord. I do admit that I am a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and certainly that's me. But I need to confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I realize today I need to be a part of God's family. If that's you, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you raise your hand up and say, I need to confess Jesus Christ as my Savior. Whether you're down here around the front or you're in the downstairs or up in the balcony, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Say, preacher, that's what I need to do. I need to surrender my will to the Lord. Listen, friends, you're not going to figure it all out first. You make a confession of faith, and Jesus will walk through life with you. The things that bother you, the things that tick you off, the things that discourage you. He will walk through those issues with you. But if you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus one last time, 
raise your hand and say, preacher, that's me. I need to be saved. I need to confess Jesus Christ. I need to come back to Christ and serve him with all of my heart, all of my life, all of my soul, all of my mind. I just feel like I have to wait. I want to close this down, but I feel like there's somebody here. You need to surrender your life to Jesus. Thank you, sir. I see that. I feel like there's somebody else. Young man, young lady, are you right with the Lord? You're right with the Lord. It's as simple as saying, dear Jesus, I confess my sins to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I ask you to come into my heart and life and be my savior. I confess you as my savior and Lord. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. And Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the father. But if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the father. And what you need to do now is to talk to somebody, preferably one of the leaders and say today, I realized I needed to confess Christ. And when the preacher asked to do that, I raised my hand, I did it, and let them follow up on you. Lord, we love you. Dismiss us now, we pray, in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.